With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What is going on everyone? My name is Andy. Welcome back to another FPL video. In this one it's the Game Week 8 preview. So I'm going to go through the latest injury news of which there is quite a bit to some key players on our FPL squads. And then I'm going to answer some of your questions as well. So if you enjoyed the video, make sure to give it a like. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. And make sure to check out Fantasy Football Hub. Seven day free trial at the moment and up to 30% off. Links in the description below. Otherwise, let's get into it. All right, let's start off with Moussa Diaby, who went off injured in the game against Brighton in game week seven. Unai Emery held a press conference yesterday ahead of Aston Villa's Europa Conference League game tonight, and he did rule Diaby out in that game. There were videos going around uh, before the press conference showing that he wasn't in training. So that is a bit of an issue. He was asked whether or not he'd be available for the weekend, and he said he didn't know yet. So for everyone that's already brought him in, obviously a lot of those people are on wildcard. There's no need to panic just yet. The last time that Villa played on a Thursday, I think Unai Emery still did his Premier League press conference on Friday. So that will give us a further update. Not all managers do that. Hopefully Emery will. And obviously if he does give an update, I'll talk about that in final thoughts. But we should probably discuss what to do with him if he is ruled out. Now, if... Emery comes out and says he's going to miss game weeks 8, 9, 10, 11, etc. Obviously, you don't include him on wildcard and you probably just sell him if you already own him. If he's just going to miss the Wolves game, those people that own him that aren't on wildcard, as long as you've got someone that you can play off your bench instead, I'd probably hold on to him because the fixtures from 9 onwards are decent. West Ham at home, Luton at home, Forest away, and then in game week 12, it's Fulham at home. And don't forget that between game weeks eight and nine, we have an international break. So that's another two weeks for players to kind of recover from any knocks and injuries that they've got as well. So if it is just the Wolves game and you own him already, I'd probably keep hold of him. The hardest or the hardest decision to be made is if you're on wild card and he's ruled out for game week eight, do you still put him on there hoping he'll be back from game week nine? My biggest worry would be what if something happens and that injury is a little bit worse than Aston Villa realised or, I don't know, he aggravates it over the international break in training or something like that. And then he also misses game week nine. I mean, you could say, well, the really good fixtures are from 10 onwards anyway. But you don't want to play it out for two weeks when you're just wildcarding. So I'm not 100% sure. If, if Unai Emery says 
you know, something similar to what he said about Leon Bailey, which is that they might not risk him, but he is available, then that would probably tell me from nine onwards he's fine. And if you've got someone like Cameron Archer on the bench, maybe you could just play him instead. But if there's any more doubts on that, I'm just not sure how you can include him on a wild card. And and look, I think when you wild card, you picture those 15 players being fine forever. But look what's happening this week. We've got so many injuries. That's part of the reason people are wild card in the first place. Do you want to carry through players that are doubts? Probably not. So we're going to have to wait and see what he says. If if he's ruled out and you don't want to include him, who do you go for instead? If you're not going to go for a Spurs defender, which I assume most people are, let's just say you're not, you could look at someone like Richarlison at the same price, 6.7 million, as a bit of a placeholder. The reason that I'm mentioning him is because uh, Mano Solomon for Spurs has been ruled out for like two to three months. So the amount of options in the Spurs attack have dwindled quite a lot. Obviously, Brennan Johnson will need to get an update on, but if he's still out, I just don't see how Richarlison doesn't start. And he did pretty well against Liverpool as well. So Luton away, Fulham at home, Palace away, not too bad. You hope that he starts two, if not all three of them. And obviously, you can move on to Diaby at some point as well. So hopefully, you get Luton away and Fulham at home, and then you can move on to Diaby in game week 10. That's one option. I know most people aren't going to go for that. That's absolutely fair enough. One player that I really like is Jared Bowen. I don't mind Wall Prowse. He's obviously 6.3 million, so he's easier to swap to from Diaby. But if you can get the money somehow, 7.3 million, Jared Bowen is one of their key goal threats. He's already got five this season, and the fixtures are pretty decent. I mean, the next two, Newcastle at home, Villa away, they're okay. But after that, it gets really good for West Ham. So he's someone to look at. Um, Otherwise, I guess you're probably going a little bit cheaper. Maybe someone like Pedro Neto, for example, only 5.7 million. He's already got one goal, five assists so far this year. Uh, Villa at home 8, Bournemouth away 9, Newcastle at home 10 is obviously quite difficult. I mean, Villa at home is not easy either. But then it's Sheffield United away, Spurs at home, Fulham away. And then Arsenal away, which I guess is very tricky. But then it's Burnley at home, Forest at home. So if he can take... I'm not expecting six returns from Neto every seven games. But if he can go and get you like three to four returns over the next six to seven game weeks, that probably wouldn't be that bad for someone that, that is that price and allows you to go and spend more money elsewhere the other option just to quickly go through i don't want to spend this whole video talking about wild cards but i know a lot of people are on it you could go 3-4-3 and there's probably a question on that later but obviously you've got players like dominic Solanke and julian alvarez that are around the same price as the rb you could go for that formation instead so yeah we'll probably talk about this again tomorrow on final thoughts anyway but i thought it's worth uh, talking about because i'd start thinking about what your plan is if he is ruled out for game week are you happy to hold him through or do you just want to go with someone else instead? In which case, who are you going to go for? So Eschapinian is another player that's been confirmed as out with an injury. Apparently he picked it up in the game against Aston Villa and that's why he went off at halftime. So it wasn't necessarily performance related. It was to do with this injury and perhaps that was what was um, hampering him. Deserby said he can't play for a long time. He's an important player we are losing. We can play in that position with Lamptey, Igor. So Lamptey and Igor are the two players he's kind of got in mind to play left back when Estrepinian's not there. Uh, he then went on to say that he's going to be out for one month, more or less. So it could be a little bit longer, could be, you know, shorter than that as well. Um, either way, he's missing game weeks eight and nine. They do have the international break two weeks off to try and kind of recover and get him back up to speed. But it's not looking great. In terms of a month from today, so it is the 5th, yeah, 5th of October. Um, if we go to the 5th of November... That would be kind of game week 11 time. So he could be back for that. 
but obviously it's not guaranteed so maybe we're looking game week 12 onwards so if he's going to miss 8 9 and 10 almost certainly probably 11 as well he's definitely a sell i've got him in my team i also have botman as well a lot of people are going to be in that position botman is not guaranteed to be back for game week nine but there's more of a chance than there is for estupinian based on what the two managers have said so i would definitely sell estupinian first i wouldn't worry about having a little bit of money tied up in him because people are going to sell him he is going to drop in price so that's kind of obvious i think for wild carders it's really nice you don't have to worry about how you're going to get him in for game week 10 you can worry about that even later like game week 11 12 13 whatever you might not even bring him in at all depending on when he's back the other knock-on effect that people are talking about is whether Lamptey is now a really great option at 3.9 million and i guess putting him in your squad because you can bench him most weeks at that price is not a huge issue i guess the only time it would become a big deal is if you wanted to triple up on brighton but i think with the amount of rotation and all the european games they've got i just can't see us doing that anytime soon like Matoma, for example, in Game Week 10 wildcard is going to be really popular. SGP now would be popular if he was fit. Are you going to fit a third player in as well? Probably not. So from that perspective, I don't mind Lamptey. I don't think it's a guarantee that he plays every single game in SGP Nian's absence, but igor is the guy that he's talking about who they signed in the summer he hasn't played a minute in the premier league yet so i'd be very surprised if it's not lamptey that's starting the problem is you don't want him for game weeks eight and nine liverpool at home man city away they're definitely going to concede so then you're hoping to play him in kind of 10 11 12 and that's when estupinian could be back anyway look there's not a huge amount of players at 3.9 million they're going to get you a lot of points anyway so i think the risk is very minimal and if you want to go for it um happy days right you've got players like charlie taylor at bernie i know the point people are making to me is why would i ever want to play a bernie defender and i get that but if he's going to keep his place long term you've got that backup in weeks like this where lots of injuries might crop up in the future the other thing to note about lamptey is one of the reasons i think he's kind of fit and available to play at the moment is because he's not playing much football he is not a player with a great injury track uh, record uh, himself so if he has to start playing in europe then Premier League, then Europe, then Premier League. I'm not sure how long he's going to last. So, like I said, I think at 3.9 million, knowing that for now at least you're not going to want three Brighton players, is probably kind of risk free on wildcard. But I'm not sure long term I'd be expecting a huge amount from him. And when Estupinian's back, he is definitely first choice um, left back. I mean, look at the fixtures for Brighton, right? This is what they got from Game Week 10. Fulham at home, Everton away, Sheffield United at home, Forest away, Chelsea away, then Brentford at home, Burnley at home. From 10 to 16, it's great. And so if you were thinking about tripling up, I probably wouldn't go Lamptey, but I just think most people are not going to go there. I've got no plans to do it. So SGP now now, definitely sell, definitely don't include them on your wild card. Lamptey for me is probably quite risk-free. All right, let's talk about Bakayo Saka because we did get somewhat of an update about him last night from one of the Daily Mail journalists who's usually pretty reliable with information like this. So the name was Sammy Mockbell. I've probably pronounced that surname wrong. If I have, I apologize. But this is what he said. As of Wednesday night, Bakayo Saka was not being completely ruled out of Sunday's visit of Man City, but his chances of playing are being judged on a day-by-day -day basis. Generally, even minor hamstring injuries can take two weeks to recover. So he's got a small hamstring issue, uh, and he also said that he took a blow to the thigh as well. So it's almost the worst kind of update. I think as FPL managers, we either want to know he's definitely fine or definitely ruled out. This obviously creates a bit of indecision because we're not sure whether he's going to play. 
We will hear from Arteta on Friday ahead of the Premier League games at the weekend. But to be honest with you, even if Saka is fine, I don't think Arteta would tell us because it's such a big game against Man City. Either way, there is an injury that he is suffering from. This isn't just that he took a bit of a knock and he's going to be fine. There is something there. So I was pretty confident against Bournemouth that Saka would be fine just because of um, the fact that he was back in training. It didn't really seem to be a huge issue or anything like that. But this week, against Man City, I know it's such a big game, right? But if he's suffering from a hamstring issue, do they want to make that worse? And I know when I tweeted about this injury last night, people kind of replied to say he'll start because basically he always does. And I don't disagree with that. But after picking up the injury or going off early against Bournemouth, he then was back in training straight away. He played against um, Lens in Europe. And then he goes off early around the 30th minute. That's my concern. It's not even necessarily whether or not he'll start. It's how many minutes can he play. And obviously it's a difficult fixture anyway. So I was already kind of toying with the idea of selling him because it's Man City at home, Chelsea away. On paper, there are definitely better fixtures out there. And I'm probably going to wildcard in game week 10 anyway, so I can easily get him back in. This, Unless we get a really positive update between now and Friday or now and the deadline on Saturday, I'm probably going to get rid of him. And obviously, I mean, the one that everyone's going to look at is one of the Spurs players, right? Madison or Son. I've already got Son, so I'll probably go to Madison. And I'm probably going to do that for a hit as well, because I also need to deal with one of Estrepinian or Botman. Um, well, should other people do it? I guess that really depends on what position you're in. Like, if you've already wildcard and you've got him in your team, then you hope that he either doesn't aggravate it against Man City or he just misses out and then is available from game week nine onwards. That would be fine. If you're on wildcard eight, you're probably not including him anyway. You've just got a plan to get him in later on, in which case you can just stick to that plan. If he's out longer, you just don't bring him in. That's pretty easy. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just... There's something up here, right? He's got an issue. This isn't just, a, like I said, a minor knock and he's probably going to be fine. And I know he always plays. And it's a huge game, right? If I had to bet money right now, I'd say he's probably going to start. It's about how long he's going to last in that game. And obviously, if he does play 80, 90 minutes, is he going to make that injury even worse? So let's wait and see what Arteta says on Friday, whether or not we get any other updates. But now, I, But right now, I'm leaning more towards selling him but to be fair for anyone else that's now taking that as you should sell him as well i was already leaning that way anyway this is just kind of the push i needed but like i said hopefully we'll get another update tomorrow all right let's get into some of your questions i'm sure a lot of people are thinking about this because game week 8 wildcards are so popular if i can get 90 percent of my favored game week 8 wildcard in two weeks with consecutive four point hits is it worth wildcarding and i guess the difficulty with answering this is we're not sure how much the wild card is going to be worth in the future we've talked about a late wild card for example game week 19 that could be worth huge points because of the double game week but also might not matter if there's loads of injuries before or after people might be able to manage the situation without a wild card similarly could a game week 10 wild card be better because you've got past the international break you've got another couple of weeks worth more uh, sorry a couple more weeks worth of information that's what i'm trying to say maybe but we don't know that for sure in this case if you're taking consecutive four point hits that's already eight points you're down and you still don't have a hundred percent wildcard team that you would be happy with only 90 percent. now the other 10 percent might not make a difference that might just be bench players and stuff like that but if you've not got i, I guess the perfect players in your eyes and you're having to take an eight point hit that probably is quite close to wildcard territory right like for me I think I'm quite close just taking a minus four this week. With the wild card, I could not have that. 
and I could deal with all the other issues I've got. I'm pretty close. You're even going one step further. You're, you've already got an eight-point hit booked in. Like, if I was taking an eight-point hit and I still didn't have someone like Mo Salah, for example, that would probably be enough to wildcard. I, I really do think... I know a lot of people will disagree with this because they've made so much money on wildcard and stuff like that. For a lot of teams, I do think it's a 50-50 decision because right now, that Game Week 8 wildcard team looks great. But who knows how good it's going to be in a couple of weeks, right? The triple up on Aston Villa, well, Diaby might be out at this point. They're playing tonight. Who knows? There might be another major injury. People haven't got, you know, if we look at the, if we think about the players that people are kind of wildcarding out of, you got Alvarez, who was super popular just a week or two ago. Man United players, I completely get it, right? I wouldn't include them on Game Week 8 wildcard either. But what if they do look good over the next few weeks? I know it's a very low chance, but if they do, you've got Fulham away, Luton at home, Everton away. They're going to be difficult to get to. You've got to get Saka back. You know, maybe an Arsenal def uh, defender to think about as well. Like, the Game Week 8 wildcard looks very strong, and I am super tempted to just go for it, get all those Spurs players in, etc. But in two Game Weeks' time, the template wildcard might look a lot different. Like, again, Spurs players, there'll be less of. Arsenal players, there'll be more. Who knows how things will look? So... I know that's not really an answer because ultimately I can't put a number on it, right? I can't say, yes, take the eight points because in five game weeks' time, that wild card's going to be worth 25 points to you. But I think when you're starting to take eight points worth of hits and you're still not quite where you want to be, that is maybe close to wild card territory, but not def it's not a definite thing that you have to do. So just another example of how quickly things change in FPL. A week or two ago, no one was really talking about going for a 3-4-3 formation, but all of a sudden in game week 8, it looks like it could be viable. So the question is simply, should we consider a 3-4-3 formation as the way forward now? So some of the players people are looking at, Haaland, obviously, Alvarez as well, who's been popular recently. Watkins just scored a hat-trick and got two assists as well. Darwin Nunez looks like his first choice. And I did put on Twitter the other day that even Dominic Solanke is a player that I'm looking at because he's such a good enabler. He's only 6.4 million. He's on penalties, always plays 90 minutes. I know Bournemouth still have not had a penalty since they came back into the league last year, but it do he does have that in his locker. I think he's expected goals per 90 and 0.42 as well. So he even looks like a good enabler. So 3-4-3, I would say, is viable. Would I do that on wildcard? I still don't think I would because I feel like if any of those players suddenly aren't options... There's not a huge amount of other players to go with. Even someone like Darwin Nunez. And look, we need to wait for an update from Klopp and see the game in Europe tonight to see whether um, Darwin is fixed. He did seem to have a bit of a knee issue in the last game, which is why he was benched. He was going to come on, I think, before the second uh, red card. So I don't think it's a huge issue, but we need to wait and get an update on that. Look, I think he is first choice, right? And if Gakpo's out for a long time, let me just find Gakpo here, which I don't think has been confirmed yet, then Darwin's minutes look really good. But even if he's first choice, that does not mean he's going to play every single game. Because Gakpo can play number nine. Um, Jota can play number nine as well. So he might play, you know, four in every five or five in every six, whatever it might be. But there's still the chance of missing the odd game. And there's also the chance of just being subbed off early. Like, you look at the game against Aston Villa where they won 3-0. Look, he got two assists, so it probably doesn't matter to anyone that owned him. But he only played 64 minutes. On another day, he doesn't have returns at that point. He still comes off. It's not ideal. Now, I love... Darwin is an option when he gets minutes. I'm just trying to say it's not. I think he's kind. Of, he's now being talked about as though he's nailed for like 80 minutes every week, and I just don't think that's the case. Also, the last game he didn't start, apart from the Spurs game when he was injured. 
was the Wolves game straight after the international break, which is exactly what's going to happen in game week nine. And let's just say he does miss that. Let's say Diaz, Jota, and Salah start. You then got the exact same issue four weeks later in game week 13. Now, it's Man City away. Maybe you don't care that he misses that game. But I just don't think that's necessarily an ideal situation. And even if you did go for him, Watkins, and Haaland... If we look at the list of forwards that you could then move on to, I mean, Alvarez might still be an option, possibly Aouni, possibly Solanke, maybe one of Isaac or Wilson if the other one is injured. But I just feel like the options in the forward line are a lot less than in midfield. Like if we look at the players that people, oh, sorry, the midfielders that have done really well so far, Saka when he's fit, everyone wants to, most people want to own him, right? If Arsenal's fixtures are good, he's going to take some penalties. He's nailed on, his stats are good. Son, if he's going to continue playing number nine, and if he's on penalties, which hopefully we'll find out at some point, fantastic option. Bowen looks great from game week 10 onwards in particular. Everyone's looking to see how they can get Salah in at the moment. Odegaard's going to take some penalties as well, absolutely nailed on. Madison, obviously great. Diaby when he's fit. Matoma's fixtures from game week 10 onwards. Look, in Burmo, not looking great right now. And I certainly wouldn't be buying him if you didn't already own him. But game week 14, they've got Luton at home, Brighton away, Sheffield United away, Villa at home. They do blank, but then they've got a double game week after that, which which hopefully will get confirmed later. Good fixtures as well. I just, like Neto, Gordon, people are talking about. Foden is getting a lot of minutes right now. Ward-Prowse at 6.3 million. Who knows? Fernandez, Rashford could be options at some point again. Like I just feel like there's a lot of midfielders that I can kind of get excited about wanting in my team. I feel like the forwards... I've got to keep performing for like certain forwards have got to keep performing otherwise you're just going to be looking for two transfers to switch back to three five two so i think you should consider it i think it absolutely can be viable like harland watkins alvarez harland alvarez solanke harland watkins solanke whichever combination stick darwin nunez in there as well obviously if they do well brilliant right if they keep playing but i just feel like if any of the midfielders get an injury or they suddenly drop out of form when you want to send them, there's just so many more options to go for. So, yeah, I think it's viable, but I just think, given that I've been on 3-5-2 all season, and from the plans I've looked at moving forward, I don't see me moving off that. But I've seen some very good managers looking at 3-4-3 this week. So, like I said, perfectly viable. I've now said that too often, so I'm just going to stop there. I think this is such an interesting question, this week in particular, when so many players seem to be getting injured. I've hit the wildcard button and can squeeze Trippier in at the expense of my bench. I'd have just one playing outfield player. Is this too risky or is it worth it for Trippier? Now, I'm not saying the person that's asked the question has done this, but one of the reasons people have wildcarded is because of the amount of issues in their team. There are obviously other factors, like wanting to get rid of Man United players, wanting to get triple spurs, and then also having injuries on top of that was just the final straw, and I get that. But if you're wildcarding, and you have a super weak bench, just one outfield playing player, what do you do the next time you get a game week like this? Now, I know what some people will say, right? If you look at my team, for example, well, you've got two injuries. You still have a playing bench in Kabori and Archer, but because it's two defenders that are injured and Kabori's got a bad fixture, you still don't want to play him. So you're being forced into a hit anyway. So why can't I just take hits in the future? And I do get that argument, but there will be plenty of weeks where you have an injury, a very short-term one for one week, and a player on your bench has a good fixture, and then you're covered. You save the transfer, you save the hit. So I would just think of it like this. You're wildcarding in game week eight. You can't use your second one until game week 21 at the earliest. Most people are probably not going to want to use that until after game week 25. That's a long time, including Christmas fixtures, loads of European matches at, uh, at this stage as well. 
that's a long time to go without having a wild card to bail you out. I would not want to go with just one outfield play and play. And I think with the way that prices are, like so many 4.5-ish million defenders, I just don't think that is worth doing. Even if you had someone like Charlie Taylor um, as your defender and Archer as your forward, like if you're in a 3-5-2, and then maybe one other defender at like 4.5 million, that could just be enough to help you in a future game week. So that's probably not what I would do. Like right now, obviously I'm talking about wildcard 10. I've looked at some drafts, but nothing's locked in, right? That's still three weeks away, uh, even a little bit more than that. I would like to, if I can, make sure that I've got at least two 4.5 million-ish defenders and Cameron Archer so that I've got a bit of a backup. If possible, I don't want to go as cheap as four or even 3.9 million. Now, by the time I get there, I might need to squeeze some money out and I may do that, but I'm still going to look for two to three outfield playing players and if possible, have a second uh, playing goalkeeper as well. I just think, I think it's underestimated how useful the bench can be in stopping you having to take hits and transfers down the line it might be that you get super lucky you never need that bench and you're just frustrated that you haven't spent that extra money in the 11 but i think for most people it's just worth doing so i would prefer to make a downgrade like trippier out than to have a super weak bench like that and it might look trippier doesn't matter it could be a different player right if you're looking at darwin nunez versus a solanke there's a million difference if that lets you upgrade like a bench player or two then maybe that could be worth it. And like I said, in FPL, you never know for sure. It might be that you never need that bench, but it could be that you're relying on it for a few, like, you know, two or three game weeks over the next 15 or something like that. There will be more stuff that happens. This isn't just a freak week where people have got injuries. This is going to happen again. And at that point, you're not going to have a wild card to bail you out. So personally, I think it's too risky. I think going for a weak bench at the start of the season when there's no European matches, right? Players have only just started playing. You've got that wild card. Maybe that's more feasible. Right now, I think it's less so. So nice and simple question. Which Spurs defender do you prefer? Pedro Porro or Destiny Udogi? And my nice simple answer is Porro. If you're buying one right now, that is who I would go for. Reasons for that is their minutes both look really good. I think Udogi has started every single game this season right from game week one. And mostly played over 80 minutes in all of them as well. With Pedro Porro, he did miss the first game. And I know early on there were some concerns that Emerson Royale might come back in. But that hasn't happened. And Porro's played really well too. And then because they're both playing and they look nailed on to start, the minutes are good, you just then go to the attacking threat. And Pedro Porro is just higher. It's as simple as that. 0.07 expected goals per 90. 0.13 expected assists. So his expected goal involvement is 0.2. I also think he's much more likely to take a shot than Udogi. So goal scoring um, is definitely more likely from Porro. It's not impossible from Udogi, of course. And then you look at Destiny Udogi's stats. It's 0.02 expected goals per 90 and 0.11 expected assist so that's really all there is to it Pedro Porro is just a bit more attacking and at this stage if you're buying new Porro is only 0.2 million more expensive with doggies 4.8 Porro is 5 now obviously there's other things to consider if like me you've had a doggy since game week one when he was only 4.5 million and now he's gone up to 4.8 would I sell him to get Porro probably not but I think for people that are buying new it just makes sense to go for Porro instead some people might be considering a double up. It's definitely crossed my mind. I know the obvious move to me if I'm going to take Saka out is just to put um, Madison in. I've already got Son and Udogi. I could 
it's tricky now because I think I want to sell Saka because of that kind of update we got. But if I wanted to hold Saka this week and sell him next week, I could just do Estupinian to Poro, have the double up for two weeks, and just go for a different punt in midfield. In game week nine, this is really for game week 10 wildcarders, by the way. In game week nine, for example, Liverpool play Everton. So Luis Diaz or Diogo Jota could be worth a punt that week. But I just think if I'm going to sell Saka this week, I've got to go for Madison, Luton away and Fulham at home. Um, it would just wouldn't make any sense to go any other way, in which case I'll probably just buy Matty Cash. But that's only for people that are looking at the double up. If you're just looking for one player and you're only buying you right now, I would go for Poro. So I'm sure there's at least some of you thinking about doing this in game week eight. Is it viable to go without Haaland on wildcard? Now, I know it's a wildcard specific question, but the answer applies to people with free transfers as well, because I've seen a handful of people think about something like Haaland to Watkins and then one of their midfielders up to Mo Salah because they feel like over the next six weeks or so they can just go against Haaland for captaincy because of the fixtures and we'll come on to what I think about that in a minute but it is possible to do it with free transfers especially if the rest of your team is looking pretty good and the beauty of that is if you haven't used your wild card already if it goes wrong and you desperately need him back and you've got other fires to put out you can obviously wild card him back in if you wild card him out you've got to get him back with free transfers. And that would be my main worry. Obviously, most people's plans will be Salah down to a cheaper midfielder and one of their forwards up to Haaland. And that could work. But surely one of the benefits to getting rid of him is you've got more money to spread around your squad. Take, I don't know, Trent Alexander-Arnold, for example. Liverpool, great fixtures from Game Week 9 onwards. We know how good of an FPL option he is. Have you seen him in any wildcard drafts for Game Week 8? I haven't. Not many, anyway. And he is a player that you could get to if you didn't have Haaland, right? So that's one of the benefits. You can spread the money around. You can go for captaincy elsewhere. But obviously, the more money you spread around, it might take then more transfers to get him back. It might not be two. It might be three or four. So they are definitely things to consider. The other thing, before we get into the fixtures, is what type of FPL manager you are. Because going without Haaland takes a certain, I would say, mental state. If every weekend when you get a red arrow... You're raging, you're on tilt, you want to sell all your players, um, you want to delete the game, stuff like that. I would say it's probably not worth going without Haaland because despite the fixtures, he's still capable of returns. And there are definitely some games where you could get a hat trick. And there, there are going to be some weeks where you don't have Haaland and you are going to drop quite heavily. Obviously, the flip side is in weeks where he does blank and you spread all that money around to great value players, you've gone different with the captaincy, there could also be some really big green arrows and over the next six, six weeks, it could absolutely be worth it. But if you're one of those managers that can't cope with those drops, especially when Haaland gets a brace or a hat trick, I just wouldn't do it. It's just not worth the misery. I, I trust me from last season, when I had Haaland and Salah and I kept going against Haaland captaincy, the weekends for FPL were just not fun. So I would take that into account before you make your decision. Now we'll get on to the fixtures. My biggest concern with going at, without Haaland is over the next four weeks, game weeks, 8, 9, 10, and 11, I think he's the best captain in at least two of them, right? So Arsenal away, definitely not, right? I think Salah and Son, better captains. You could argue that Madison is right up there as well. Personally, I'm not as sure about that because I always prefer to captain penalty takers. But I think for the fixture, Madison is definitely a consideration. Either way, I would agree, Haaland is definitely not a hard avoid, but you can avoid him in game week eight. But game week nine, Brighton at home, a defence without Estupinian that was already looking pretty weak against a really good Man City team that will have Rodri back by that point. I think he's back for Brighton anyway. Let me just double-check that. I'm pretty sure the Arsenal game is the last one he misses. 
Uh, let's find him here. Yeah, back 21st of October. So that's the Brighton game. Like, I would want to captain Harlan in that game ahead of Salah against Everton at home. It's straight after the international break. Klopp hates that 12.30 fixture on Saturday, which is when they're playing. And obviously, it's a derby as well. So I'd rather go for Harland. And then game week 11, Salah's got Luton away. He could absolutely outscore Harland. But Harland's at home to Bournemouth. It's not very often that you want to back against him. I know he only got an assist in that fixture last year. But on paper, it's great. So two of the next four, I think he's best captain. And look, if Man United don't get their act together, that away game in 10 isn't bad either. I don't think I would captain Harland that week. But it's not a bad game to have him with. So if you look at it from 8 to 14... Yeah, they've got to play Arsenal away, Man United away, Brighton at home, Chelsea away, Liverpool at home, Spurs at home. On paper, they're quite difficult. But are they that difficult for Haaland? Like, I'm not expecting hat-tricks in all those games, absolutely not. But he could continue to tick over. And you'll definitely want him after that. Villa away, Luton away, Palace at home. Even with the blank, most people are just going to bench him. He's probably got a double game week soon after that. It's not going to be that long until you want him back. And I think 9 and 11 are good captaincy opportunities as well. And obviously the... Brighton, Liverpool and Spurs games were all at home. The three away games were Arsenal, Man United and Chelsea. I think Arsenal away is the really tough one. Man United and Chelsea aren't going to be easy. But can Haaland score in those games? Absolutely. So I think it is more viable now, absolutely, than it was in game week one. And anyone that does it, I do wish them the best. Because there's plenty of other players you can captain over these games. So I've kind of already been through this before, but you got Son against Luton this week. In game week nine, you've got Salah um, against Everton. I'm not sure. I don't think he's better than Haaland, but it's definitely an option. Game week 10, you've got Saka against Sheffield United at home. Uh, Salah against Nottingham Forest at home. Game week 11, when Haaland is... Sorry, Bournemouth at home there. Salah's got Luton away, so you could look at that. In game week 12, when... Uh, I'm going through this quite quick, I know. But Haaland's got Chelsea away. Salah's got Brentford at home. Definitely a better fixture. Even Man United, right? Who knows what's going to happen between now and game week 12? Look at how much has changed already. If Rashford suddenly looks good, Luton at home, decent fixture. Arsenal have got Burnley at home, so you've always got Saka to fall back on as well. Like I said, there are plenty of weeks where you could go against Haaland. My biggest worry is how much of the money do you spread around? How hard do you make it to get him back? And the fact that I'd want to captain him two in the next four means I would probably just hold on to him i think one thing to remember is money is tight when you want salah and harland right yes there's lots of good enablers there's also lots of good value players that we can't get to like you can't have harland salah saka son and Trent, and another madison or something like that. it just can't happen but eventually with salah in particular let me just find the liverpool fixtures here before we finish this uh little part off um so the fixtures are good right up until game week 16. But then it's Man United at home, Arsenal at home, Burnley away, Newcastle home. Three home games in four. Not bad. Liverpool will score in all of those. Salah's always um, in and around the points. But they do get a bit tougher. But also you've got African Cup of Nations. So he's going to go away for, uh, for that. And as soon as that happens, you sell him. You've got a lot of money to spend. And Haaland is the only premium that you need to worry about. So I, I just don't see me going without him. I, I really don't. I think people that wildcard in nine will want him for captaincy. People that wildcard in 10 will want him the week after for captaincy against Bournemouth. I don't know. Maybe this is the week to do it if you're going to do it because it's Arsenal away. But I, I feel... I just... i just seen this before, right? You need to be the type of manager that can cope with it. And if you are, like I said, go for it. And I really... I genuinely hope it works out because I think going against the template, um, especially for big decisions like this, like I'm kind of supportive of that, even though I don't want it to work out deep down because I'm going to own Haaland... 
I still want to see people do well, but like I said, definitely takes a certain type of manager. If you've enjoyed that video and you're going without Haaland or not, give it a like. I always forgot what I was going to say then. Subscribe if you haven't already. Help me hit 400k subscribers on YouTube. If you're listening on podcasts, make sure to rate five stars. And if you haven't checked out Fantasy Football Hub, links in the description below. I'll be back tomorrow with final thoughts. Who knows which players are going to be injured by then? I'll see you then. Sports Social Podcast Network.